0: A big welcome to our Mo Foundation Podventure. This is our space where we will hear the life stories, insights and wisdom from members of our thriving community. You will get the opportunity to learn from their life experience and hear the moments in life that have helped shape them. Mo is a growing global community of change makers and builders. We provide lifelong learning support to our community enabling them to make a positive change and impact in our world. To find out more about More Foundation, please visit our website www.morefoundation.com or find us on social media. We look forward to connecting and learning about you. In the meantime, enjoy the latest podventure.
1: Okay, so welcome to uh, the next version of the Mo Pod Venture. And today I'm very pleased to have um, Stefan Stauber with us. Um, Stefan is the founder and CEO, or I don't know what he calls himself, he'll tell us in a minute, of Create Meaning. And he's also um, a Mo trustee. So Stefan, welcome to the pod, pod
2: venture or podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Darren. I'm super happy to be here. And the introduction is totally fine. <laughs> Sometimes I call myself <laughs> a, a chief creative officer because my background is um, from the creative, co- creative side. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Fantastic! You know, little note to myself there. I should always check what people how people like to be um, entitled. So, chief creative officer, and I think that's um probably that's a really good place to begin, really, Stefan, because you're you know one of the most creative individuals I've ever met, and you've dedicated your life um, to all forms of creativity. So, you know, I, I can't wait to kind of hear how you've got to got to that point, and I know there's lots of different things that have led you to that that sort of um, self-identity. But let's begin with, you know, where did Stefan emerge from? So, you know, tell us
2: that story. Uh, Stefan emerged from a a beautiful place in the south south of Germany, which is Stuttgart, Um, first born uh, to two loving parents. And I have two brothers, so that's basically a little bit my background, so very uh, family-oriented, growing up here in Stuttgart. and um yeah i had a beautiful beautiful childhood here Um, and who knows stuttgart it's a town where um, mercedes and porsche and even bosch is from so it's very entrepreneurial so i guess that was a little bit what i learned from from growing up there but it's also a little bit conservative um, and not always open to new ideas and um, so what happened for me growing up i got very intrigued um, by graffiti and actually the whole hip-hop Um, hip-hop movement which was a very stronghold actually in stuttgart so back in the day stuttgart and hamburg was basically in germany um, the main cities where hip-hop culture was happening and uh, there i found a way to express my creativity i would say the first time in a similar way that i'm doing today is using art beauty um to be also a little bit of a rebel and um, question some ideas or prevalent ideas in society so that was what graffiti was for me and that what launched me into a career in um, uh, as a professional creative so to say
1: I didn't know that about you so that's really interesting so that's that's where that kind of initial creativity began and then schooling what did you do did you go to
2: university Um, so basically I started as a, a, in Germany, you go to a so-called gymnasium. So it's like, I mean, first you have the primary school and then you go to a gymnasium and there was, and it was, um, in some subjects I was really, really good. And in other subjects, I wasn't, it was very much, um, tied to the connection I was able to build to the teacher. And, um, and also in a way I didn't fit in always in this sense of sitting quiet for 45 minutes and learning things that didn't always appeal to me so I was sometimes struggling also in this in this uh, school system as a as a creative person always full of ideas but not always able to sit still um, and then basically I was always drawing and this was drawing and doing like little art projects here and there this was always part of my my upbringing and also what I enjoyed doing and then, as I said, graffiti came into my life when I was probably 12, 13 or something like that. It was one of the things, you know, like you know, the music, and started to to buy books and magazine into that direction, and then you know, turned my drawing into into that kind of expression of um, of, of myself. And what I loved about graffiti was basically you make a statement through your art piece. And it's not necessarily a statement that's, um, um how to say, uh, uh, that's always wanted. You basically create something that also sometimes wake people up, or has even a political statement, or um, basically expresses the art, but not in a commercial way. So you're not hanging in a museum; you're basically on the street. And so that what really inspired me, um, and then was also then the segue into doing graphic design. <clears throat> so I was basically then asking myself at one point in my life. So what do I do with this uh, creative energy I have in myself? And um, then my neighbor, she had a little design studio. And she put me under her wings and took me in for like an internship. So and then I learned the first time to use basic art and creativity in a more commercial way. So like, how do you create business cards or, you know, create a logo and these kind of things? And then I created my first logo. I think it was with what do you call an animal doctor? Sorry if I missed about veterinarian. Veterinarian yep. Vets. Yeah. So they, they were basically like a, a, a veterinarian and they were like down the street and they needed a logo. So that's what I what was my first commercial creative job, what I'm still doing today. But the story in between gets a little bit more diverse and then I got basically accepted into a school um, that is teaching graphic design so it's so-called Berufskolleg it's a mixture between university and an apprenticeship so it's very practical you're still in school but it's like the content of a university studies and that's what I did then for three years before I got um, an offer to work for international advertising company called BBDO that just opened up their offices in Stuttgart
1: yeah, and I remember when you did um, Movement, you shared um, about your experience of advertising. So you've moved into the advertising world. And what was that
2: experience like when you got your first proper gig, you know, your first commercial gig? I mean, I I loved it. Basically, there was a bunch of people around that were all sort bit misfits like myself. So like going into advertising, there's, there's no formal study on the creative side. If you become a copywriter or if you become a creative, <clears throat> yes, you can study art and graphic design, but often there were like, you know, people from all walks of life that just uh, got assembled into this company and BBDO is quite a, it's a multinational, it's a big advertising firm born from New York. So we had this like also really successful legacy and big company name, but we were like basically a bunch of misfits. I started, I joined the company when they were like, I think, close to 15 people. So very at the beginning. Um, and then I left when we were 70. So in the three and a half years I watched was there, I was like, experienced quite a lot of growth and opportunity. Um, but I really enjoyed it at the beginning. It was really a beautiful way to express, um, ideas and get paid to solve problems through critical thinking and creativity, basically.
1: And then you chose to leave after three years, you said, so what was, the, what was the, the mm-hmm. moment that made you go, actually, I want to start moving in slightly different
2: area advertising in and of itself is is basically using creativity to convince other people to buy the things you um, sell or your clients want you to sell and the deeper I went into that philosophy I learned that it doesn't sit too well with me so um, I love the creativity I love what you can do I saw what amazing things you can do with with a campaign or with a spot or with a with a you know with with a brochure whatever you've created you could really you know change things in the perception um of the people that you try to reach and also build relationship but I also realized that it was very often just focus on um also manipulating people to buy stuff they don't need and so very early on in my journey in the creative agency i i came up with a mantra which is now the name of my company which is called create meaning so how do i use these budgets the biggest budget i ever worked on was close to 80 million yearly budget and so you you're working with quite a substantial amount of of money um, for for different clients and so the question is like what you can do with this money instead of just manipulating people to buy stuff they don't need <laughs> to put it very blunt And how can you build relationships in in offering something more meaningful and so very early on in my journey i was um fortunate that my um chief creative officer at that time and also the um the leadership of the comp um, of the organization of the advertising agency uh was very very supportive and um and also my whole environment there that we are uh, launched an own unit, which called the ComLab, lab, the communication laboratory, where we tried different forms of communication, different forms of using creativity and strategy to build better relationships to people instead of, let's say, the classical way of just telling a story and hope that they buy and what you have to sell. So we, we created, you know, back in the days was still called web 2.0. So we created the first kind of like, ideas around digital. We always thought about how to bring people in and make it more interactive. And, um, we then also built for a really innovative company called Tignum. Um, are part of a team helping them to build the first digital product and, um, with an app and a whole kind of online ecosystem of solutions. And it was fascinating. Um, and I learned so much, but it was also the point where I realized that, um, being in a, advertising agency it doesn't work with the business model and um, so here it's a long-term business model of building something of really investing into relationships and most of our things were like you know short-term engagements and our campaigns that are campaigns for certain product launches or for certain season and i wanted to have if you want to create something meaningful you need to do it more long term and uh, so that's when i decided with old was at 23 back then to become a freelancer and go out into the world and explore how to do this um, differently.
1: So 23, what year are we talking about, Stefan? So when you've stepped out of of corporate land to to become a freelancer, what what year is that?
2: Oh, let me think. Was it, I think, 13 years ago then or something like that. Um, Help me, it's 26. 28 mm-hmm. 2008 was it was it oh my 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 accounting is right my my 2008
1: um, would be 13 years so it's yeah, somewhere around, something around yeah, 2007
2: yeah a while ago 2007
1: <laughs> um, yeah it's so, like it's funny isn't it when you have to cast your mind back okay. and it's like oh jeepers it's just flies by so you you know so 23 you've stepped out become a freelancer what is what what, what was your first you know first move there
2: then Oh, uh, my first assignment was I was working in Beijing and got an offer to work for uh, a company in China and, um, with a really exci- with a really amazing, um, uh, a mentor and, and, and creative director there, uh, that would built, uh, into one in, in China. And so we, I was then traveling. The first assignment was going to Beijing for two and a half months and, um, work there on the launch of the BMW X3 back then.
1: So still in a similar sort of space so you're still working in in the world of advertising and things like that so is that what is that what the journey looked like for a short period after you became a freelancer you carried on sort of on your on your own terms
2: yeah so basically i mean what what i offered uh, was was this kind of weird mix of a classical creative education um a strategic education which I learned on the job so I worked a lot in with and also in planning and strategy um and then basically this curiosity for new opportunities and digital and um and social media it wasn't called social media back then I think it is like all of these Suddenly, the, the, this this amazing possibility of doing things differently um and trying to create ideas and concept out of that that also work in that case for the client. And, and so as I said, yeah, some some relationship was still from the advertising world. So I was then um, as a freelancer hired by other creative companies. But I also went into consulting. I worked for major brand consultancies. I worked directly for brands. I worked directly for artists um, and helped them to. Yeah, and, and helped them with the things I learned to, uh, until this part in my life.
1: And then, you know, before we we came on air, one of the things that we were talking about was a, one of your current projects, which is around um, supporting the wisdom of Aboriginal leaders to actually bring that through technology. So why don't you why don't you share sort of how travel has influenced, create meaning and 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 really influenced you? Because I think I met you as you were just starting to really start to go on that travelling journey and go and explore indigenous tribes and different things just let your curiosity just take you on a wonderful journey so why don't you share some of that because that's i know that's had
2: such a massive and Mm. profound impact on you yeah so i mean like after i became a freelancer i then had a few other iterations which which brought me so i i basically i was working as a freelancer then i'm joining as head of innovation for a digital company did that for a while then was invited to co-found my first company, which was a consulting company around using the power of brand and the DNA of brand in order to um, inspire and lead the digital transformation process for companies. And um, after that, I also was um, the third partner of an innovation company um, that was working with major clients like Mercedes and Beierstorff in order to innovate on products and strategy on the experience side. Um, down to the retail level and so this was i i had a very very steep learning curve let's say in this commercial creative strategic space for a while but I, the more i learned about the industry <clears throat> the more i grew and i worked internationally so travel was always part of it in, in some way but it, the more i dove into um, or was also tasked with different different challenges i realized that in order to really solve the challenges that the clients are looking to solve, we actually fundamentally need to shift the way our systems work. And I not only mean the system on a company level, which in some cases we we help to change and transform, but also the system on a, let's say, economical level all around the world, because the more I became aware um, of the challenges we face as humanity in the world, uh, the less i got convinced that the current assignments that i have and the current clients that i'm working with are equipped to deal with these challenges and so um that was really the point where i dove deeper and deeper into the question um, what do i do actually meaningful um, with with the experiences and the learnings i had and turn it into um real solutions that can make a positive difference. um and one catalyst point there before i went into then the journey part was actually um the death of both of my grandparents um which um i was on this like super high career path doing this you know really big budgets and projects with with major brands and in the middle of it um my both of my grandparents got sick and then they died short after each other and we i was fortunate that we were able to have them die at home and i was present throughout the whole week that it took for each of them to pass and that really put me into a spot where i asked the deeper questions of my life and um basically these questions then led me to look for answers that go beyond just like, you know, the next uh, quarterly review or the success on this project or that project. And since I couldn't find these answers in the current projects I was leading and running in the company I was a partner at, I decided to take all my savings and my courage and embark on a quest to travel for a year around the world. So basically, I founded Create Meaning, the company I'm leading today with two of my. Um, co-founders, um, and basically, um, we explored the question. How can you do good things with business and, um, business knowledge and, um, yeah. And that's basically took me on this journey where the founding part of that company was that I traveled for a year around the world and basically asked different entrepreneurs, change makers, um, and tried to learn from them. How do you use skills and how do you build actually systems that that have a positive impact and a commercial value
1: so where did that where did that um, sort of exploration and journey take you then
2: oh yeah it was also I mean I started um, in the beginning of 2015 so it was my um, 30th birth year um and a, yeah funny backstory I got when I was 27 there was a, a big newspaper writing article one of these like 30 under 30 that will change the industry etc cetera, etc cetera. back then it had a lot of meaning for them but I was like I didn't feel that I did anything positive to contribute to change the industry so when I turned 30 I said like okay now I didn't do anything that they that is said I might do in this article so I really want to double down and so I it took my as I said my savings and traveled for a year around the world <clears throat> and so this was my 30th year on this planet And so I started with this idea of writing a book and having all of these plans. And then basically I arrived and it was obviously, as you can imagine, when you leave all of your previous life, everything that you've built behind, um, the place is then actually first an inner place to start from. So the journey really started in Bali when I was signing up for a friend recommended it to me for a silent retreat in Bali. So I spent the first 10 days of my world trip in a small hut in in the back country behind ubud in a silent retreat and there actually the the real stern journey started in some ways because i realized first of all what i have done (laughs) what i'm what i'm about to do and had the real space of diving deeper into what is now all means um going forward and then From there it was then really a beautiful story mixed of synchronicities and meetings and um, projects that came my way so i had then the first kind of people entrepreneurial people i met in bali that i lived with and worked with then i um, got to all over the place i was in in singapore i did a um, big project with a foundation in the hilti foundation in the philippines where they're building um, bamboo houses for people who couldn't afford housing, which was just incredible. The impact that they were having, was able to work a little bit with them. Um, it took me, um, yeah, it took me to so many places. It's Hard to to um, to, to summarize. I, I went to the U.S., I went to um, India, um, and then I also went to Australia. And then maybe I can go a little bit deeper into the second parts of the journey because the first was really like. The curiosity and sucking it all in and then the second part was way more in digesting and going deeper onto my inner journey so to say of understanding the things and digesting the things and integrating the things i've learned um on these travels
1: so take us on that then so you know the the, the second part is it as you described it you know Uh, obviously the first part was getting out there from what I'm hearing it was out let your curiosity kind of take you on an adventure listen out for entrepreneurial types people that were sort of contributing and making a positive impact in the world listening to them and to learn from what they were doing is what I'm sort of understanding as well as enjoying the traveling but then so what what then happened you you know that second part then you know what what Mm. changed in you or what, what was the moment that said right now I need to embody this or I need to contemplate this
2: deeper so i feel i mean all all of that was also an inner journey as i said it started with the silent retreat but um then it was obviously i had the pleasure to meet incredible people for example in hong kong i interviewed david yuang who is the founder of green monday just a remarkable remarkable movement and and um, um brands that he founded in the space of um nutrition and in the space of vegan and vegetarian nutrition and whoever knows hong kong and china knows that's not very a vegetarian or vegan friendly friendly place and seeing him turning this around and making a major major contribution so meeting people like him um, was just really inspiring to me and um so i met you know and did different projects with different bigger and smaller ngos and small companies and and interviews with these entrepreneurs and they they basically inspired me on in so many things um not only on what they built on a business level but also who they are as persons like who is sitting across from me and in many cases also sometimes off the record sometimes on the record and they also told me about their own practices that they're using so david for example is a is a um, very very long practicing buddhist for example and um so that was a journey that then became more and more relevant for me to also look into old wisdom traditions for the answers i was looking for in terms of the what is it that we are that we need to build or how how do you lead such an organization and the more I was getting into which i was already you know playing around with before but in in this case was really um the curiosity went deeper and deeper yeah so it was it was actually it was actually in new york And um, so I was in New York and then, as you can imagine, when you travel for a year around the world, like and you're not earning money, but investing all your savings. New York Mm -hmm. is a place that can really trigger you (laughs) because everything is very expensive. um, And I have a lot of friends there that are very successful in what they do and they're basically from the same background that I was. And so I got really triggered in my own um, in my own ways of like, is it the right decision? does it all make sense you know why are you investing all of this time and trying to make the world a better place but you know is it really serving you can you survive when you come back all of these questions coming up all of these fears and insecurities and um, then basically I remember this moment um, whoever knows Times Square knows that this is one of the places where all of the advertising people that's their kind of Olymp they want to have their campaign on Times Square this is. One of the things basically from my past life and advertising. And I remember this moment when I was standing there in New York in Times Square. And it was like a little bit as George Orwell or this Apple commercial when you see these, like, you know, um, big screens talking at you what to consume and what to buy. And you have heaps of people running around with like so many bags of shopping stuff of what they just carry out of the stores. And I remember there and everything looked like a little bit in the in 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 time lapse and and i was sitting there and i realized like this is not what i want to contribute to this is basically a big part also of what um what is going wrong in the world right now that we mindlessly consume things that we don't need and so I was sitting there and really had this kind of wake-up moment and and even a strong kind of um yeah moment of realization that in order to do something differently we need to change the minds um and the systems around that that's currently govern our societies in 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 large parts and so funny enough the night before I met um, a woman who was organizing an Ayurveda conference in India and I already had my my journey planned for South Africa South America to meet some more entrepreneurs everything lined up but I got so intrigued by what she told me about the power of this um Indian healing um modality or in healing wisdom and that i decided to change my plans and instead of going to argentina which was planned i actually uh, hopped into a plane and went down to the world ayurvedic conference in Coimbatore in india and um, this ayurvedic conference um, was so transformative to me because although i'm probably was the only one who hasn't any professional affiliation with ayurveda i really learned from their holistic view on life and how important it is not only to heal the body to get you know pop a pill to make the go the pain go away and but really healing the whole human being on body mind and soul and um that got really inspiring to me so that i ended up doing a a full puncher karma which is like one of the one of the highest kind of treatments that you can do for 27 days in the middle of, in the middle of, uh, over Christmas and new year's actually. <laughs> so instead of partying with my friends or having like a Christmas party, I was actually there in full treatment. Um, but it was really that moment when I realized <clears throat> sitting there and, um, there was also a lot of meditation that all of the questions that I'm looking for, um, were actually inspired by these old wisdom traditions. And so after I then also spent some more time in India and really explored kind of their old wisdom traditions, I was also um, in an ashram from a guy called Sadhguru, um, fascinating person. And back then he wasn't as famous as he is today. So I was able mm. to see him a few times live and actually also got initiated in his inner engineering meditation um, by him. And that these kind of tools or these kind of experiences really led me to understand that if we want to solve the challenges we face today, we need to go not only within, but also understand the wisdom traditions of where we're coming from. And that put me really on a journey to understand also this little mantra that I had, you know, so many years prior in advertising, which called create meaning took a very deep and different turn for me of understanding what re- meaning, really has the potential to mean so to say and um, so my next stop on the journey and that's what you mentioned in the intro was then australia and so i knew that if i go to australia i would love to understand the wisdoms tradition there and that's um the aboriginal culture but unfortunately as many of you know um they haven't been treated very well by um, by the english people who came over to the country and so it was very hard to find um people who have still the connection to this old wisdom tradition but then how synchronicity works Sometime i got connected through a friend that I met on this journey um, on 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 another place and he said i know somebody that uh, works works with them and trying to bring that into business and so i basically said without knowing them or anything it's like hey you know um they and they're apparently currently in this in setting up a business for it et cetera. and it's like hey this is my that's my work I I'm happy to support you with whatever I know do a workshop um and help you build this build this organization and so the only thing you need need to do is to give me a roof over my head and feed me and then I ended up in um the Gold Coast in Brisbane in a place called um fingal and um, this most beautiful beautiful place um with his family and um his his elder Carl Slab and um, the whole slab family that are basically learned the traditional cultural knowledge systems and the in the con- traditional way of being but are translating that in their workshop around cultural awareness uh, for people like myself and bringing them into businesses and um so then I find myself like just after India a few weeks later on finger beach and learning some of the most knowledgeable and fascinating people I've ever met about these like wisdom tradition. And in their case, this goes down, some people say to um, 80,000 to 100,000 years. So they they basically have a wisdom tradition that hasn't been broken for so long that they can still talk about it today. And that just, you know, the experience in India and there and uh, just inspired me so deeply and have become a very deep foundation of the work that we're doing with the company Create Meaning, trying to transcend that, and translate it into modern business settings and trying to make decisions that are informed on a deeper level. Um, then it's just like making a quick buck <laughs> on on being very opportunistic on on that. So jumping around a little bit, but I hope it makes sense.
1: <laughs> no, no, it makes perfect sense. It's um your story, Stefan, as we know, and it's um it's fascinating. And so, you know, when you think about some of those ancient tradition traditional wisdoms, what, what are some of the kind of, you know, are there linkages between them? Like when you think about your journey in India and what you learned, some of the things you've learned there and, and sort of profound insights for you there. And then when you go to Australia and you spend time, you know, where there's, there's this, you know, these, the stories that link it to 80 to 100,000 years of history you know what what are some of the what are some of the sort of profound wisdoms or insights or um not even profound or just timeless
2: insights what were some of the things that really resonated for you so one of the, one of the things um i feel i've discovered in all of these different traditions is basically our relationship and um, relationship plays a major part and relationship um to each other but also relationship um, you are with the wider things around you including the earth so all of um, the indigenous um, wisdom traditions I got got the pleasure to learn from or I also was in New Zealand and learned from some of the Maori traditions um on America from some of the Native American uh, traditions it's one they all have in common is that they basically have a relationship to the earth and also to the greater good of existing within this framework of relationships. So um, basically it's about how do I understand the whole bigger picture and behave accordingly and make decisions accordingly. And that was for me, you know, educated in the Western world and in the way I got brought up in school, what we talked earlier about um was basically really missing like this deep i mean you find it also in christianity and i rediscovered also christianity through um my experiences there but i felt what i really missed was this really big picture thinking of understanding what our actions means in the big picture of things and the responsibility that it comes with it i think it it shows at the moment just very drastically um and when we talk about you know um global warming, or we talk about the the global uh, climate, climate emergency, or we talk about social issues. um, I found that their systems or their their understanding of knowing and also thinking about stuff um, wouldn't result in the current challenges that we we see in Western society. And that was deeply moving and also um, deeply clearing um clearing in a way of like seeing what what might be needed or was is needed, and so that while these kind of encounters or oh. this kind of um knowledge and wisdom was something that really, really impacted my own way of looking at the world and seeing the world and 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 my own contribution or life or responsibility in it and when you I mean, cause it's interesting,
1: isn't it? I mean, I'd love to hear where where you've got to in that because it's some of the ancient wisdoms. You know that the world was a certain size, and technology was wasn't available, and you know there was lots of things that weren't in place, and you know a lot of those societies they were very tribal, weren't they? They were they were kind of small village based tribal societies, um, sort of, and, and the communities were connected and interconnected. And as we know, you know, the world is different. You know, you were talking about New York, for instance, you know, this huge metropolis of technology and innovation and urbanisation and everything else. When, when you look at what you're learning from those ancient traditions and then you think about you as an innovator and as a strategist and also somebody that really contemplates life, and then you look at modern day life, how, what, what do you see converging, Stefan, you know?
2: Where's the convergence or divergence from your perspective? I think it would it would start with the point that wisdom for me is timeless. <clears throat> it just needs to be applied in a different context, and the context is then the world as we live in today. And um, because you know, I'm I'm very close with um, that or learning very closely the, the the knowledge of the Aboriginal and Indigenous wisdom of australia that knowledge is as valid as it is today as it might be back then because it's it goes about like solving the challenges of living together and relating together as humans (laughs) and if we do this in a multinational company or in a small tribe the the rules are quite similar yes there are some certain other challenges that might pop up with um but just to to give one example so in the in the Aboriginal um, perspective, there's um, not going too much deep into it because I want to you know them actually to share. But one of the things that that I learned from Kyle, which was really profound, and it's just one element of it, is basically there's this framework. They always say it's it's always two halves. And um, for example, when they do um, decisions in a in in the tribe, they they have this concept. It's called Gogon and Banam. <clears throat> and Gorgon is the name for or the role of the older brother, and Banam is the role of the younger brother. Now, these are not titles, and that's also, I mean, we started early with, with our fancy business card titles, and they might, might be also a little, little bit um, misleading sometimes because we have in Western well we sometimes think those with the biggest title has all to say and sometimes the companies are run that way and it's not actually true and they have a concept of um, Gogon and banam and Gogon, in this case means who means um, who has the most knowledge to make the best decision for the good of all and then banam is the person that helps Gogon in order to realize that um, that potential of or the task that needs to happen so for example in a in a tribal context this might be the, the older person in the tribe and two young guys fighting over something you know he has the most life experience so he might be gogon for that so he helps to solve the problem there and um, in our, in another context um the older person doesn't know how to work the iphone so the younger person is then gogon for the iphone and is able to teach the older person that because it's not based on hierarchy um, of titles it's based on a hierarchy of competence and that little switch, I mean, like most of my problems I had in my career in in working with clients or within teams or whatever was because this wasn't clear. Um, people made decisions that might not have the best wisdom or the most knowledge of that subject. And so they also brought that into, for example, businesses. And in one case of the Sofitel Hotel in, in the Gold Coast. And suddenly within the team, <clears throat> you know, they figured out who's Gorgon and Banham for what. And so, for example, the cleaning woman, was basically Gogon for cleaning, and then she was asked what things to buy, you know, how to how to do the shifts differently, etc. So she was the mo- the best expert there. Not only she felt seen, but the whole system worked way better because people were played on their strength and on their competency, and just by every important decision, first figuring out who is actually Gogon and Banham for what was transformational for me. I mean, like, I haven't seen <laughs> I haven't seen that in, in the, I mean, there's now the latest leadership teachings, you know, and there's a lot that you can find there too. But like, you know, there's just one simple ex- example of that. And I think wisdom is always relevant in the context, in the current context. And um, I think that is something that we need now more than ever. I think somebody said we're drowning in information and starving for wisdom. I think that's a nice kind of summary. In that context
1: yeah no absolutely no no, it's fantastic and um, fascinating so so within that um, so you're saying within aboriginal society there's it's not so hierarchical based it's this hierarchy of competency and who's got the most wisdom One and relationship
2: point. based yeah yeah
1: and did you go and um, spend time doing dream time did you get out and just go and
2: enjoy being in the land did you go and do walkabout at all or anything like that so I had a, uh, the, the privilege to get taken out to um to the back country and and spending some time there and we went hunting and basically yeah d- d- diving deep into the cosmology and and learning and basically w- what I also loved was that learning works very differently here it's not sitting down and taking your textbook out and, and learning you basically your whole day is learning you walk by a tree and say oh wow and this tree you know has very hard wood and this is how you can make the boomerang or you walk by um, a significant stone and then there's a certain story attached to it so I mean I had really the absolutely the privilege to learn from somebody that is that is you know living this this wisdom and is you know um is from that lineage and that tradition Um, But as I said, like the wisdom is actually also I rediscovered Christianity and like there's so much or like if you lead, if you read a a quote from Aristotle or Plato or whatever, you know, like, you know, from the Greek or um, Egyptian or, you know, like there's so much there's so much around where people discovered some timeless truth to living as, as a human being and to do things as a collective. And, um, yeah, looking at where the world currently is, I can feel I feel we we need some more of that. And the way that what what we do with great meaning is trying to translate that into the way we work, the way we conduct our work, the way we work with our clients and with the people in our team and in our ecosystem. And so I always um, emphasize like wisdom, is uh, then really good if it's applied <laughs> you know you can read about it but like really when you this timeless truth in it like how can we a- apply that in modern context and just imagine we our governments would make decisions where um, the earth is um, is a vital element or the vital element in that decision making framework uh, we would have a very different a very different government um, policies that we currently have for example mm.
1: So then the kind of inner journey part, I mean, it's always, always going and always unfolding and unfurling, as we know, but the traveling sort of experience and and spending your life savings to kind of experience that, that wonderful and profound experience, you know, then that comes to an end. What
2: happens next? (laughs) what happens next? I mean, then it's basically, um, I mean, a a lot of things have happened on a journey, which then happened next. So I met also incredible um, individual, his name is uh, Thomas Björkman, um, who is a philanthropist, um, um, doing incredible work in, in the world from Sweden. And so And basically, one of the first projects coming back from the journey that actually already started on a journey was with Thomas to build um, a Berlin ecosystem where we created an own space called the co-creation loft, where we could bring together different change makers and different people interested in in development and basically create a space where we can explore these questions, how to put, let's say, um inner development consciousness development adult development these kind of terms are sometimes kicked around with societal change so we created a space for that and then later into also an own media platform which called emerge um under the url what is you can read a lot that's going on there um and so basically um all of what I've learned and also the relationship that I've built over the journey was then formed into the company that we are today so we still basically um, learning from some of the insights that have happened on that journey and try to build our business around that. And um, basically what we are today, we have two places that we work from. One is Berlin, one is Stuttgart. And we basically created an ecosystem of practitioners. Uh, some are consultants, some are coaches, um, so, so some are system theorists, and some are body workers in order to try Um, to bring this kind of, yeah, to mix these kind of wisdom traditions, insights with the business challenges that some of our clients face and come up with more holistic answers to it and try to um, help our clients to be more successful um, with it. Um, But basically also maybe as a little focus we what we say and create meaning um, our purpose is to empower future makers to create a meaningful impact and future makers are for us all of these people i mean like yourself with mo and others that we know from our circle of friends that really build business organizations and projects um that really have an important role to play in in transforming the current system and so we made it our um mission to basically um Put everything that we've learned in business building, um, in creativity, in communication, in innovation, and leadership together in order to empower those people to be more successful than maybe some of the current players and companies that aren't committed to make a positive difference. So that's in a nutshell what we what we're doing today, and what happened after the journey was basically. Um, yeah starting the first kind of projects and building a business around that in a commercial way too that it it can pay for for the work that we're doing
1: you know as you've as you ventured you know you ventured out you've gone on this inner journey and also this external journey and traveling and sort of it's it's really it's aligned with your philosophy I think it's kind of like an emerging discovery of your own philosophy your own truth and and it's collided with the, the great wisdoms of lots and lots of different parts of Society in the world, which is beautiful, you know. When you consider where you are right now in sort of 2021, and knowing that you're looking to bring that work and find a way to collide it with modern organisations and modern modern world, how's how's it working? How are you? Is it starting to unfold? Are you finding organisations, um, you know, that are actually willing to sort of go on that journey and sort of to explore, learning from those sort of profound wisdoms?
2: Yeah, so I mean, like the the profound wisdom, it doesn't mean that every project is is about that, so to say. Like, I mean, yes, we have projects that are more explicit about leadership, and there this plays a a very direct role, but everything that we do is informed by that. And so what we're doing with organizations is to help them discover their own wisdoms and truths, so to say. That's often the starting point, not always, but often. Where we really help organizations to um, understand. Uh, I mean, this this word purpose gets tossed around quite a bit. That's why I'm not such a big purpose word fan anymore. But it's basically that it's like what is your true sense of being, and that in a way is informed by all of these wisdom things that we that we've that we've learned. And so we basically try to create. Um, processes, workshops, and experiences for our clients to really come close with that understanding of who they truly are. And then we're working on different ways of expressing that truth. Um, So one part is that's why we have our design studio in Stuttgart, which is uh, led by Hannes Baer, um, who's our head of design. And he basically... Um, then expresses that truth of who this organization is in a design with a logo, with a beautiful brand and communication on it. We work with with different creatives of expressing that in film or creating that narrative in, in different ways. We create projects like we did with the Co-Creation Loft, which is like a project where you can experience a, a room um, or experience a project in in physical form. Um, and so basically we find and we have six areas that we work with so the first is basically as i said um defining what is your timeless truth as an organization and then we have the the the, the tools to express that with is branding experiences and communication and then we also have the the inner the inner working of an organization which as you know um with running different businesses um we need a really good strategy so how do you get from point a to point b but also business strategy and also like you know a commercial strategy like how do you make this this vision work commercially we have an area of innovation where we help companies to design the future and we have an area of leadership where we really help them to what does it mean on a monday morning how do i lead my team how do i practice what i what i preach so to say and for example my other business partner um michael katzmann and um, he used to be you know and on the on the finance side as an investor but also on the hedge fund side to basically specialize on turnarounds or buying companies and selling them and had a very similar uh, story than mine basically figured out that he loses his soul in doing this for very commercial hedge funds and then basically traveled around the world and came back with similar ideas on wisdom. And now is applying this kind of, you know, investor perspective, clarity on business building into, um, helping organizations to thrive and be more successful that, um, that are committed to making a positive impact. So basically what we try to do is to be the companion of, um, what we call future makers, people, groups, um or companies that really are committed to make a difference and help them um with all of the skills and network and knowledge and um, support they need in order to succeed so that's basically what drives us at create meaning
1: yeah and then uh, when you can contemplate those conversations you know what what's the what's the changing awareness around the context within which we operate you know what what sort of
2: conversations are you starting to see yourself and hear yourself engaging with i mean through through this work and now doing this also for you know six years we have been involved and and are involved in many circles where these conversations around climate change are are more oriented uh, what do we really do with the reality of what we're facing it's less about an awareness or we need to change something because most of the people that we work with are very aware um, that we can go on like this some of them are experts in the fields and and say like but we need now to do something about it so in terms of the the conversation that we're having is that there's a huge awareness out there where people say like the reality is we can't go on like this as humanity the the trajectory is pretty clear that if we do we we are in deep trouble and if you look at the facts actually we already are massively just look at it just think about back the news that you heard from this year on climate catastrophes in australia to floods in germany um you know to collapsing uh, societal things in in the u.s storming of the capital or like you know what's happening in afghanistan i mean you you name it like you know just think about till the beginning of the year the headlines of the news and um not saying that the news are the best thing to consume but it is a pretty good indicator that we're not going into a pretty good direction um uh, as humanity at large and so i see there's there's very few people that would ignore that <laughs> or can ignore that. i mean there still are um but like if you if you look at the uh, most people common sense they're like yes this is not this is not working anymore and so the question after that obviously is what are we going to do about it how can i use my own talent or my own ability as an organization as the people that i work with um, to to contribute to something that is changing these realities that we are facing. Um, and so I, I find many informed decisions. Many of them are expert in the field, so way more informed than that I am as a, as a person. But then what we try to to do is to add what we've learned on around, you know, art, beauty, communication, in a way, going back to the graffiti element. So how do we add... That 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 art, beauty, communication, but also the doing element to it, to help them to do what they do better, um, as a yeah, as a company or as a project or as an individual.
1: Mm. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and one of the things that you know we've talked about a lot. I mean, obviously, on on that sort of tour journey, you know, that's where you and I got to meet, and then you've also you know uh, had a profound impact on. The messaging and the branding and the positioning and the storytelling around Mo. So it's really good for me to kind of be able to kind of acknowledge that. Um, and you're obviously a trustee of Mo. Um, and you've also been on the kind of coaching journey. So what has been some of the some of those moments that Mo's been able to kind of support you? And what, what's, what's some of the learning that you take from Mo and you use it in your life now today?
2: Totally. Um, Mo is such a, I mean, obviously, it was very, very powerful to just be part of this team of trustees and and yourself and and have a project that is basically practicing what they preach in that context. Like I feel Mo, and really this this idea of me, others, everyone empowering individuals to help them to live that truth um, to people around them in their ecosystem in their immediate surroundings, and then this way we can actually change it. Mo is for me one of the best description of how such change can happen and to be present to the cause and also see the people within the community. It really transformed the life of many, many people. And what I was so inspired by, I mean, after our conversations and after also um, being able to to speak at movement and meet the, the, the closer ecosystem, um, it was an honor to be asked to become a trustee. And then basically it was natural for me to explore how can I bring what, what I described earlier, the skills that we, that we have in create meaning in, into Mo. And for me, Participating at the MoCourse was powerful to see it firsthand because in a way, it looks simple from the outside. It's like a coaching course, you know, like coaching course is something that people are familiar with. But what really happens there is we give, or you as a participant get the skills you need to have difficult conversations with the people around you to be able to build better relationships because you know how to handle yourself better in conversations and to really provide so much value because you basically you learn what you or you you and then you teach basically what you got to learn so it's like this 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 I always compare it with these fundamental sets that should be taught in every school every university and actually every business that enable that's the fundamentals um, of how people can work and be together in a, in a, in a better way and that's what more represents for me and then basically giving people these foundational skills. It's fascinating to see what they do with it Um, from, you know, coaching courses in prison to, you know, incredible kind of social ventures and businesses to um, just being there for their community. And every of them that went through the course and are associated to the community have just like remarkable stories to share and um, from, from small stories, how they fixed issues in their family or like you know some 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 arguments around it and um or generational arguments you know political arguments like it's it's there's no end to challenges that you can resolve and i feel that's what inspires me so much about mo is i feel we need these foundational skills in accessible and democratize it to way more people because through these skills i feel a lot of the challenges that we talked on earlier um can can be um yeah it can help to solve them or can help to empower people to deal with them in a more constructive way
1: yeah no absolutely um and then when you sort of start looking out to the future you know knowing what you know because you're in a very privileged position um you know with the work that you do with the connections the community that you've built um you know you're you're so well connected in in lots of different fields and uh, you have such a curiosity and an ability to listen to lots of different people. You know, when you when you look out to the future, Stefan, what 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 do you see? You know, what do you contemplate
2: as you look out to the future? So <clears throat> I see that the current challenges will become way more. <laughs> so there's a, if you just you know look and even the more conservative data of like what we are what we are facing and gonna face soon uh, looks pretty grim. So I don't feel that we have a magical solution and suddenly everything gonna stays that it is and we can keep the current lifestyle and we can do that no i think it's actually going to be very rough years ahead and um, so that's what i see and at the same time i see that but i see so much hope in the people and um, as you mentioned some of the people i'm privileged to uh, to be connected to that do incredible work and that have solutions to some of the challenges that we're facing or I have the potential to create these solutions um, and I think there w- there's not one one size fits all or one solution that will solve it all I think it's about how do we come together and use our imagination to use our talent to use, use our in many cases um, profound knowledge and skills we have been trained you know I've been trained in you know some of the best agencies and consultancies and in some way other people have been trained by by in engineering by Google, Apple, Facebook, whatever. You know, now it's just a question, okay, how do we how do we use these skills in order to tackle some of the things that are ahead of us? So on one side I know I preparing myself mentally that things will get rough and many things in, in terms of climate change not for the better. You know, there's there's just certain things that we will see more floods, we will see more Places that people can't live anymore and we need to deal with in a humane way finding solutions of how do we can live and inhabit this planet in in a different way. So and on the other side, I see so much hope of brilliant people really putting their mind, heart and soul. And, you know, also we have um, a few clients that are impact investors, investors that are really putting the money where their mouth is and investing into solutions that drive this positive change. So. I'm I'm very inspired by that and very committed to that, and also have a sobering view on that it will be rough um looking into the future and don't try to deny, deny that or sugarcoat it or whatever. Doesn't mean you know it all needs to be painted black, but I think there needs to be a real- realization of that things are changing and will change and our kids might not live in the same world. Um, that that we had the privilege to be in and experience in.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, and I think you know, listening to the stories you've shared, I mean, one of the, one of the things that that comes across is the fact that actually, if we can give people the opportunity to kind of look for themselves, you know, because you've shared quite openly on this it's the inner journey is actually more important in lots of ways than the external journey the where you are but actually being able to kind of get access to that profound wisdom that kind of challenges your map of the world and the view of the world is really important so kind of brings me quite nicely into a sort of project that we were talking about offline is that one of the one of the projects that I know you're working on at the moment is that intersection and intersectionality of you know, the Aboriginal wisdom and then technology and how we can kind of scale some of that awareness building and education and conscious building. So what, what does that look like for you? Because I think that's a really profound and positive impact beyond all the work that you're supportive of in in Mo, but and all the work you're doing in Create Meaning. This sounds like a really wonderful way to give that opportunity and access to other people. So share a bit about what you hope for that or or what the people you're working with are hoping for.
2: I would love to share more, but we're in the middle of it. So I feel not entitled to um, share the full story, but basically the idea of what we're working on is like, how do we how do we bring these kind of wisdom traditions um, into our modern day lives in a way that is actually accessible um, to as many people as possible and help to guide or inform the decisions we're doing on a daily level. And um, so our focus is right now on on bringing that into um, into leadership um, because leadership is very leadership on political side, leadership on business side, leadership on uh, on project side. And then basically help from that experience, maybe grow to um, a more broader set of making it accessible to everyone. So that's what I can share at, at this point. But hopefully within the next few months, there will be some more um some more opportunity to share and uh, maybe even a first prototype but as i said um this is like in the development right now but one of the things what is very common i think to to all of the projects we are doing is like there is there are solutions out there there are people who can you know do amazing healing work or coaching work or have business solution or engineered something or whatever that that is helping to to get us into a more positive direction and whatever it is that is basically what drives us to give them the the ability to communicate that the ability to look the part you know that that also like makes it accessible to i mean if you look at commercially i mean you can probably name 10 brands (laughs) you know around you that are influencing in some way like how can we make this project or any project for that matter that has a positive impact be as sexy as nike or apple or be as commercial successful (laughs) as some of the others what can we learn from from these kind of companies or from these kind of projects in order to empower things that are uh, more sustainable more meaningful and and more transformational for the current situation we're in um, and I feel that all of the projects ha- share that in common. They come from a from a pure place of wanting to contribute and wanting to leverage what we had the privilege to learn or know or build and make that more successful than maybe other commercial um, companies that might not have the best of everybody in mind uh, in the core of their business. And so that is, I feel, the major shift that I'm seeing. And I know, exceptional entrepreneurs that are doing it and at the same time being super successful i think that is what most people also need to understand it doesn't mean just because you're doing good you you're sacrificing you know massive profits no you can do both at the same time and i feel this profit and purpose play to do this right this is i think one of the major things to understand and build um, into any business that's been founded and transforming the ones that haven't been into that direction because we don't have another choice um, as a collective.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. So, Stefan, if there's um sort of final thoughts, wisdom, or uh, anything you want to share to the Mo community and beyond the Mo community.
2: So, to the Mo community, first of all, I'm super grateful to just be part of that, and um, I feel for me, it's the little things that can make a huge difference. The things I learned in Mo um, is really how to listen. <laughs> You know, listen carefully and being able to ask deeper and more meaningful questions and really, you know, engaging with these tools of coaching, not to be in a conversation and coach somebody else, but really being in this inquiry of learning to understand what people really mean by certain things. And so for me, it's really like this community of practice. How do we use what we've learned at Mo and in other places, but how do we apply it into our daily lives? And that's what inspires me to be part of that. That's why I'm proud to be a trustee. And that's why I know that Mo is playing an important role um in the lives of so many people, because it gives these basic tools that help us to um yeah, to, to be a little bit of a better version of ourselves in who we are and what we do. And so um my last piece of wisdom would be is act on your intuition to share that and do that and don't be afraid um, to open your eyes open your mouth um, open your heart um, and bring bring these kind of deeper understandings of life and relationships and who who you are into the world and so that's what i feel mo is inspiring and enabling through their courses and the work Thanks for that, Stefan.
1: And then for people that want to connect with you and create
2: meaning, where can they find you? So just look at our website. It's called um, createmeaning.com and all of the other platforms from LinkedIn to my personal email, which is stefan at createmeaning.com. Don't hesitate to shoot me an email or add me on LinkedIn or whatever you enjoy. Are you doing I'm always happy to jump on a call for like a little coffee or just a a exchange Um, these topics are very close to my heart and um, I really believe that um, every conversation can be an important important contribution to changing perspectives and realizing potential in a meaningful way.
1: Wonderful, Stefan. Thank you so much for your time. It's been brilliant to have you on this uh, this pod venture and I, I look forward to bouncing with you uh, sometime in the future.
2: Thank you, Darren. And thanks for all the work that you're doing for more. Thanks, mister. Take care.
0: This is a message for anybody who thinks that life coaching might be the right calling for you, but you're not sure how to attract new clients. So on the 17th of April, we will be having our next Mo Digital Academy. Kili Vuong White, the founder of Kia Ora Coaching, is going to be talking to us about how to attract clients as a new life coach. A 90 minute long introduction to marketing. Now, she's had a fantastic life and has spent 15 years in international corporate marketing and has also learned a thing or two about setting up a business. And she's also done her coaching with the Mo Foundation. So she's going to be running a fantastic workshop. We hope to see you there. If you're interested and you'd like to register, then please find more information on our website. That's mofoundation.com forward slash calendar. Thanks so much and we will see you there.